thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Are there any, any teachers or people who've worked in education? Okay, So the rest of you, you might hear a sound in a minute when I say a word. Okay, They know what's coming, but let's see if it works. Okay, Ofsted. Right, okay, there we go. I thought, I'm really glad you played along because otherwise it would have been a bit disappointing. But when you hear the word Ofsted when you work in a school, it's a little bit, oh, no. Especially if you're a head teacher, Helen. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. In my first three weeks of teaching, when I qualified to be a teacher, I had an Ofsted inspection. And uh, in some ways, that wasn't a bad time to have it because I'd already been used to being observed all the time and, and watched. So it wasn't too bad. But I worked in a church school. And as a church school, they have an extra day, which is specifically to look at the faith element of the school. And so on this day, we had this gentleman that came in. He was a lovely, lovely man. You could see he had a total faith in Jesus. He really radiated from him. And he encouraged us. He lifted us up. He really made us feel incredibly special. And he made a real impression on me. And so, for several weeks, I could just remember thinking of this gentleman, and as Christmas approached, he'd been invited to take the school's Christingle service in the church linked to the school. Now, many of you know I'm from Manchester originally. I don't have affiliations to there, obviously. Um, The team in red there and blue, no, thank you. But um, I'm originally from Manchester, and my parents are from Manchester, and whenever they came to visit us, occasionally they would say, oh, while we're here... We're just going to go and see our friends. I went, oh, okay, right. So they went to see these friends quite regularly. And uh, it, eventually it came to Christmas and this Chris Dingle service. And I was actually down in Manchester on the Sunday that that happened. And I said to my mum and dad, we need to leave early because I really want to go to this service because this man was just so, there was something about him. And I want to be there to support the school. So I thought, I'll go home. And my mum said, well, who is he? I said, well, who's the man who came and did our RE inspection? And she said, well, is he from Barrow? I said, yeah, he's from Barrow. I said, he's not originally from Barrow. She said, well, what's his name? I said, he's called Ian Davis. And he went, no way. I said, what? She said, well, you know those times where you go disappearing off? She said, that's the friends we go visiting. (laughs) She said, his wife, your grandma, she said to me, my grandma was the responsible person who brought his wife to become a Christian. What an amazing coincidence. And this morning, I want us to think about coincidence because that man, that started a relationship with a family that not only impacted us as a family, he did Joel's dedication, but also impacted us as a church. And Sheila, his wife, sadly no longer with us, went and and used to play the flute in the worship group when she came in an evening because they came to our evening service. They forged an amazing link and encouraged people, some of our young people at camp, But if I'd have known him before that inspection, it would have been a bit awkward. (laughs) But what a coincidence. What a coincidence. And when you think about the word coincidence, I've never thought about an in-depth analysis of that word. 
You just think of it and you go, oh, it's just some random happening. And actually, the word, when you ever see the prefix co, what does it mean? It means together with, yeah? Together with. And so think about things like cooperate. That means to function with someone else or to function together. Co-conspirator means to plan or plot with someone else. So coincidence means something happens with someone else. Would you agree? So I want to put it to you this morning that actually there's no such thing as a coincidence. Something happens with someone else. And that's God. Things happen because God is working behind the scenes. And as we start to look at the, the, the chapters of Ruth that we're doing, last week we saw she went from, or oh, there's an emptiness that begins and it goes to fullness. We finished the chapter of chapter one with a glimpse of hope as Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem and the harvest was beginning. So we're going to start today in chapter two and see what God has to say. But just remember that word coincidence as we go. Something happening together with someone else. Something will happen because of somebody. Ruth chapter 2. We're going to read a few verses at a time today. Ruth chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3 say this. Now Naomi, that's Naomi, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law, had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, remember that's important, she's consistently called an outsider, consistently called a foreigner. Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. We'll keep that verse up there for now, okay? So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean. Gleaning was the process of going behind the harvesters and picking up the leftovers, picking up the leftovers. And actually, as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. You know, God's law has already put in place the things needed to look after people. It wasn't about rules and regulations and strictness. It was about rules and, and law that would help to care for people. Leviticus, if, we've not got these verses on the screen, so just keep in mind that one, I don't think, unless you have. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 to 10 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So in other words, don't go to the very margins. That's where probably we think of the word marginalized. You know, God looks after those that are marginalized. God looks after those that are on the outside, that are on the edges of the field, that aren't necessarily welcome to the party. Exodus chapter 22, verses 22 to 23 says, Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. God cares about those that aren't cared for. God loves those who are outcasts of society. Deuteronomy 10, verses 18 to 19 says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you. I set some quite controversial questions in house group, apparently. I wasn't there to deal with the flack, but hey, 
But um, let's read that verse again. He loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. That's why. Because God's people have known what it's like. You're to love the outsider. God's heart is for the marginalized. He literally asks farmers and landowners to leave plenty in the margins. You know, we read last week that Naomi said, change my name to Mara. I need to go. My, my son-in-law is from up the coast. And actually, they have some funny words up the coast. And one of the words is for friend. They call them Mara. So when he read the verses on the screen, he thought, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. It's like, no, it doesn't mean that, Michael. Call me Mara. I'm bitter. She said, I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm angry with God because God has afflicted me. Ruth had chosen to follow God. Naomi would have been looked after. She was one of God's people. Yes, she was a widow. Yes, she'd lost everything. But at least she belonged. Ruth had lost everything and didn't belong. She's consistently called an outsider. She had chosen to follow God, and so she would have no welcome. She would have no support, but even possibly she would have hostility. There's three Ps I want us to look at quickly this morning. So three Ps. The first one is providence. We've sung this morning that God is sovereign. What does that mean? Well, it means he's over all. He's in all. He surrounds all. He loves all. He cares for all. But his providence is the fact that he uses that sovereignty to care. He uses that sovereignty to say, I care about what's happening. He sees you. Even if you think this morning you are the lowest, even if you think this morning you are the most unimportant, even if you think this morning that you don't deserve anything, God sees you. God knows you. And God cares for you. He pays attention to you. You know, the God, the creator of the universe, is interested in you and invested in you. How is he invested in you? We've just celebrated it. He gave everything for the whole world. He gave everything. There's a phrase in the verses we just read, in verse 3, if you put verse 3 up on the screen again. There's a phrase that underpins the chapter in Ruth and sets out that God is always working behind the scenes, even if you don't see it and even if you don't know it. It's that phrase there that says, as it turned out. As it turned out, of all, the, it's like a scene from Casablanca, isn't it? Of all the bars, I don't know, if I've not seen the film. Of all the fields in all of, in all of Bethlehem, Ruth chooses the one field that belongs to a relative of Naomi. What are the chances of that? Coincidence? Or maybe, together with God, something happens. Yeah? Together with God, something happens. Let's all say it. Yeah, let's do one of those things, eh? I know you love it, Laura, don't you? <laughs> together with God, something happens. That's coincidence. Together with God, something happens. Not, no such thing. God is working. We've got to recognize that God is working. Together with him, something happens. Out of all the fields in the whole of Israel, Ruth ends up in that one. You know, Ruth at her lowest, Ruth as an outsider, Ruth even possibly seen as an enemy. God sees her. God loves her. And God cares for her. And together with God, something happens. You know, there's no guidance from Naomi, 
And actually later on we see that Naomi says, whose field was it? So she didn't tell her to go there. Naomi didn't say, off you go. See that field, belongs to my friend. No, she goes, all the best, bye. And Ruth goes out to work. And actually, there was no guidance at all. Gleaning was a dangerous job. Farm workers were rough and ready people. There was a risk of assault, risk of abuse, possibly even rape and death. Ruth made herself vulnerable and obedient because she cared for her mum. Because last week we read, she said, your God will be my God. Where you go, I will go. Ruth showed her faithfulness because she saw something of God. And together with God, something happens. Let's read on. Because God's providence leads her to be in a place of safety and abundance. Ruth chapter 2, we're going to read verses 4 to 13. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite, again, the foreigner, who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. She's a hard worker. Morning till she's not done any rest. She's not stopped. Why? Because she's faithful and obedient and committed. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to that welcome from a stranger. My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, Ruth bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me? Why do you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Second P is protection. So not only does God bring us providence because of his sovereignty, he brings us protection. Have you ever been in a job with the best possible boss? The sort that gives you time off, brings donuts in regularly, encourages you, builds you up. The sort who genuinely goes out of their way to make you feel appreciated. Joe, God isn't just the God who parts the seas. God isn't just the God who can turn water into wine, bring the dead to life. God is the God who works in the ordinary. Here we see Boaz turning up. A woman going out to work to feed her mother-in-law. A boss coming to check on his investments and see how the workers are doing. That's just day-to-day life, isn't it? And yet God is working as it just so happened. Ruth was in the right place. Boaz turns up, you see that he's a man of faith because he's interested in his workers and he immediately brings them a blessing from God He's obvious about his relationship with God. He's out there with it. And not only that, his work is responding kind. What an impact that man has had. Can you imagine it if you worked in McDonald's? 
He's Warren here, no. Because um, he's after imagining now, wouldn't he, anyway? Can you imagine if you worked in McDonald's? Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Can you imagine if you worked in McDonald's and the boss came in and went, the Lord be with you. And all the staff stopped what they were doing and suddenly went, and also with you. It's like the Anglican version of McDonald's, isn't it? And actually, what a boss. He's obvious. He's not hiding it. And he basically, it must have been the equivalent of one of these workplaces like Google or YouTube where the, the employees play pool and go on slides instead of going down the stairs and things like that. It must have been a great place for people to be. And remember, this was after a famine. This wasn't in a time of plenty, although the harvest had come in. These people had endured. And yet, what's the response? The Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. And Boaz is described as a man of standing. In some translations, he's described as a mighty man. The same as David is described. That's interesting when David becomes part of Ruth's family line. Boaz is a mighty man. And yet he noticed Ruth, the lowest of the low, the outsider of outsiders. He sees her. She's not just there on her own. There would be a crowd of people desperate to get food. They've just had a famine. There would have been loads of people going with desperate. The marginalized would have come from all over the place because they needed food. And yet Boaz sees Ruth. Coincidence? Or together with God, something's happening. He sees her in a crowd and he cares for her. He puts in place extra measures to make sure she's safe and secure. He welcomes her in and he puts her with his people. He welcomes her alongside his people. Can you see the gospel message going through this? The outsider is welcomed in. Not just welcomed in on the edges, but welcomed right into the heart of things. Welcomed right into the middle of things. He's cared for, he's looked after. It's a real echo of God where the outcast sees everybody, everybody who's outcast or not is seen by their name and is given safety and security. The God that Ruth has said, my God will be your God, says to Ruth, and Ruth, you're my daughter. Boaz says to her, my daughter. He welcomes her into the family. That is what Jesus did when he died. He welcomes us to his family, but we've got to accept it. And we can choose to do whatever we like, to to walk away, to let go, whatever. But actually, the invitation is there. You're my daughter. You're my son. And he says, you are mine. I have redeemed you. We'll come to that next week. The final P. And that's not a surge to go to the toilet, okay? Ruth chapter 2, verses 14 to 23 says, At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. Hold that thought. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. She's been working since the morning, everybody. In a dangerous, desperate place, but she's been welcomed in and she's been given permission to stay. She works till the evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an effort. We'll come back to that. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she'd eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? 
Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she'd been working. The name of the man I worked with today was Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. Boaz doesn't just provide a place where you can just have the crumbs. Boaz gives Ruth a place where she has abundance where she has plenty. Now, when you see these measurements in the Bible, do you often think, hmm? Yeah? Anyone know what an effort is? And I don't mean a, a cow. That's a heifer, okay? Anyone know what an effort is? No? Well, I thought, do you know what? It'd be really good to have a bit of a representation, okay? So I've brought a bag of shopping here. Who's, who's really strong, okay? Uh, who's, who thinks they've got muscles? Phil, last, you've got muscles. Come here. Because this bag is the equivalent of an effer, okay? Now, bear in mind that Ruth took home an effer, which would have been just the heads of the barley. So actually, this doesn't include all the stalks that she gathered that she'd got rid of on the way home. So Ruth has walked, worked morning till night in a dangerous place in a hot country, and she goes home with a bag that weighs this. Okay, would you like to hold it straight out and see how long you can do it for? Straight arms. How are you doing? Not well. <laughs> so, isn't it? Isn't it just? Right? You wouldn't believe how many tins I had to find in the cupboard and do maths. It was really hard. Basically, an effer is about 13 kilograms. Okay? So, 13 kilograms. Ruth... She was hench, wasn't she? That's the phrase. She was, she, was a, she was obviously a fit lady. I'm not meaning that. That's maybe why Boaz noticed her. I don't know. She was obviously strong. You can, uh, if, if anyone wants to, I'll leave this at the front. And if it, later on you want to come and have a lift just to see. Because I think it helps, doesn't it? Because we read these things and go, oh, well, we don't understand what that means. But actually, that's really, I, I thought, heck. And that's without the rest of the stuff that she's got rid of. She's worked hard, yeah? That's faithfulness to feed her mother-in-law. That is commitment to go beyond. And actually, she is blessed abundantly. She works all day, not just for the crumbs, but for the best. Did you notice? Boaz gave her and fed her himself. He didn't leave it to his servants. And what did he give her? Bread dipped in wine. Is that not another picture? of Boaz the Redeemer, Boaz the Saviour, bread dipped in wine that later would become a symbol of Jesus' love. Jesus doesn't just give his body and his blood for us, he gives us everything. He gives us an eternity worth of abundance, of provision. She receives bread dipped in wine. Ruth the outsider, the lowest of the low, the very thing that Bethlehem hasn't had because of a famine, Ruth the outsider is given. Wow. And some of you are going, wow. Do you know, you might think you're an outsider. You might think you belong, but do you know what? The message is the same. 
God has given you the best that there is from his storerooms. Coincidence? No. Because together with God, something happens. Together with God, something happens. Looking ahead to Jesus, providing redemption, God's providence to bring all to the table, his protection from sin and death, and his provision of not just enough, but of a life that is full, that is abundant, and an eternity that is glorious. Do you know, today as we finish, Jesus welcomes you. He welcomes you in, not just to the outside, but to his family. He says, you're my daughter, you're my son. Come, take bread, take wine. Remember what I've done for you. And all that you can have is from me. He wants you to know this morning that he wants to do that personally from his nail-pierced hands. He wants to give you the very bread of life, the water that will never run dry. Boaz offers both. Go and get a drink from the well. Go and be don't be thirsty. Don't be hungry. And be safe. God wants you to know today you are seen, that you're accepted, that you are forgiven, welcomed, and secure. If only you just accept it. You know, there's one verse in there that I noticed, and it says that Ruth is brought under Boaz's wings or under God's wings. And actually, that might be a dark place sometimes. Have you ever thought about that? Being under the wings could be quite a dark, shadowy place, but it's safe. And it's warm. There's a video on YouTube. I nearly showed it, but I thought for the time it would take me to find it and the time it would take the tech to get it on, it's not really worth it. I can describe it. It's a video of a chicken. And somebody goes over to this chicken that's just sitting there. It's a big chicken. And they lift up its wing, and underneath its wing is resting a little puppy. And this puppy is asleep under this chicken's wing. That puppy doesn't belong there. But he knows where he's safe. He knows where he's welcomed. He knows where he's warmed. He knows where it might actually sometimes get dark, but he knows that he's going to be okay. That is a picture of what God does. He brings us under his wings. He brings us under his wings. Do you know, sometimes it might get dark, but today with Jesus, we can see that together with God, something will happen. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't immediately see it, together with God, something will happen. Happen. Jesus saves and redeems and protection is there for all eternity. Yes, we will die in this life, but we won't die a second time because he promises life eternal. He promises a life that is full. And today with Jesus, we can see things that happen together. He saw you when he bled and died on that cross, even before your very existence. He knows you. Ruth accepted the invitation. She stayed in Boaz's field. She stayed close. And she continued to receive the providence, provision, and protection of a man who was kind. Today, will you receive the providence, provision, and protection of a God who is the kindest, a God who is the greatest, and a God who says, put aside your outsiderness and be welcomed into the family? Let's pray. This morning, if you've never welcomed Jesus into your life and never said, yeah, I want to be part of your family, you can do that with our prayer team at the back. Just go and ask. If maybe today you feel like an outsider, 
go and be prayed for and know that God says, you are not an outsider. I see you. I see what you're going through. Ruth was the lowest of the low and an enemy. There was no provision for her, but actually she was provided for. If that's you, go and receive prayer. This morning, if you... If maybe you've been working in that field for a long time, maybe you've been part of, of the crew that's been standard in there, but actually you're feeling empty or you're feeling that where is the providence, where is the provision and where is the protection? Go and receive prayer. Well, Father God, this morning, may we know that together with you, something will happen. That there are no coincidences, but actually you lead us to a place where you've already been working. Father God, I pray that we will receive willingly your love. And Father, we all come from different backgrounds in this room. We come from different places, different cultures. And yet, God, you love us all. We're a family that's been thrown together. And yet, you love us all. And your word calls us to love one another and to love our enemy. So Father God, I pray, Lord, that we will be a place known for love that we would be a place known, like Boaz, who sees people, who encourages, who provides, who helps those that need help. And Father God, I pray this morning that we will start by saying, God, help me. I need you. So we pray in this place that your spirit will move, that you will refresh, and we will receive willingly what you have to give us. In Jesus' name, amen.